when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I'm Earl Rose, pianist, and I'm a composer as well, and uh, I perform here for 20 years or so. We are at Bemelman's Bar in the cafe in, in the Hotel Carla. Yeah, Alpha Bravo, Charlie Delta, one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> I am Tony Bourdain, and you're listening to Munchies. This is definitely my favorite bar in New York. It's, I, lo I mean, I love it for a lot of reasons. First and foremost, of course, uh, the murals and the history. I mean, Beelman's is a hero of mine, both as a you know children's illustrator, storyteller. But also as a great chronicler of uh, you know the backstairs life of uh, the restaurant, I mean he really did it first. He, he was a man who liked to live beyond his means. Uh, he had very expensive tastes. Uh, he lived apparently in the hotel for quite some time and paid his way by doing these illustrations on the wall. I believe this is the largest and only extant permanent installation of Ludwig uh, Bimelman's work. And it uh, depicts uh, Bieberman's characters in Central Park and various New York uh, landmarks. And you can see, if you look carefully around here, there's Madeline. And you're going to make me choke up. I mean, the, uh, you know, her little classmates <laughs> from... Uh, How many times have you read the book Madeline, do you think? Oh, many, many times. I've read it to my daughter over and over. I've read it to her classmates at school uh, on, you know, visiting Daddy Day. Um, you know, but that, you know, that point where your daughter gets old enough uh, or too old to enjoy Madeline, you know, that's a, that's a heartbreaking moment right there. <laughs> could I have a... Hi, could I have a... First of all. Thank you, good to be back. Uh, <laughs> let me get a Bombay Sapphire Martini straight up with an extra olive. Absolutely. Thank you. I'll have what he's having. Great. Good choice. Unless you're planning on using power tools or driving or yeah. doing neurosurgery or really okay. anything that requires your brain <laughs> after this. I am not a, ordinarily, under ordinary circumstances, a martini is a bad lifestyle choice. It's not my drink of choice. But this is the sort of place that sort of demands a martini to make a very good one, a very large one. Um, and I plan on a long nap after this, so, you know, there's little chance of, you know, bad decision-making. <laughs> what do you think makes a great martini? Uh, good gin. The, the slightest hint of, uh, well, a fair amount of vermouth, actually. The classic uh, original martini, I think it was like 50-50. Um, but no, I like the little bit, of, little bit of vermouth, some good gin, an olive or two. I like an extra olive. Cold and... Uh, <laughs> Stirred, not shaken. Okay. Shaken is bad. It breaks little ice fragments into the into the gin. It's funny you ask me this because I, I I pursued this subject at length with Dale DeGroff, who's sort of the you know the guru of uh, classic cocktails. And he makes a very good case for you know there's no such thing as a vodka martini. It's all about the botanicals and uh, you know don't fuck up your martini by shaking it, no matter how cool that might sound. <laughs> 
So you have a new cookbook out, Appetites. Indeed. Uh, why this cookbook? Why now? Um, I think, you know, there, I have a, I've always had a kind of a subversive desire to undermine whatever people think of me and who I am. And uh, I thought a family-friendly, useful cookbook uh, that's a reflection of, you know, who I'm cooking for lately, which is to say, a, you know, a little girl. Um, I thought that would be an interesting change of pace and fun. And I also, uh, I, uh, the notion of challenging the look of the cookbook as we know it was exciting to me. I wanted to make a really super fucked up cookbook, one that looked unlike any other. Um, I was very much influenced by uh, Fergus Henderson's uh, Notes to Tail Eating, which sort of broke the barrier of food that, you know, with a bite out of it. Uh, Martin Picard's uh, Pied Cochon cookbook was a masterpiece of just uh, esoterica. The Joe Beef cookbook was like, amazing. Uh, I wanted to do something that was just really creative uh, and confusing and didn't look like other cookbooks. So, you know, I wanted to do a cookbook with a Ralph Steadman cover. And, and, uh, and, a, and a really great photographer, in this case, a guy named Bobby Fisher, who, who I, I, from the very beginning, said, look, just whatever it is you've never been allowed to do, do that, okay? And he... I mean, he went really wild. I said, go, just go as wild as you want. I mean, let's do plates with no food left on them at all. I mean, we, we, we ended up taking some photos out, but that's because I think he had bloody Band-Aids in, in some of, the, uh, in some of <laughs> the food beauty shots, which, while I admired, um, uh, ultimately was just a little too disturbing, you know. Especially next to the pictures of, you know, a, 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 a nine-year-old girl's little fingers, you know, cutting ratatouille. I thought, you know, the, the following photograph of a bloody band-aid was like, well, it was upsetting to me. <laughs> yeah, you have some essentials in there, like you have deviled eggs, my favorite thing in Who the world. Who doesn't love de- deviled eggs? I mean, let's, let's be real. Yeah, there's probably like five people yeah. that we all don't like in the world um, who dislike them. But there is a photo of you eating a sandwich on the toilet. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I kind of wanted to set a context here for my unholy love of the New York Street Fair sausage and pepper hero, which in spite of how completely lame our street fair culture is, I mean, it's always the same dreary suspects. Uh, everything's dreadful. But that dirty, nasty sausage pepper hero, I can't resist. And yet the outcome is always nearly immediate and the same, meaning I, I'm going to be spending some time with a thunder bucket. So I, the, the point was eliminate the middle matter, <laughs> accept your destiny. Your daughter, I mean, she's nine now? Or, yeah. Yeah. So what, is there a particular recipe in the book that you find yourself like cooking for her often? Or? Well, she likes to cook certain things with me, and then there's other things she likes to eat. She likes me to cook for her. I mean, she loves making ratatouille because she gets to use the knife, which, of course, <laughs> fills me with terror, but there's a lot of knife work involved, and she's a very determined young woman. She's not somebody who gives up. You know, if, if you try to teach her capoeira in a day, she's going to keep doing it. She's not going to stamp her foot and say, I'm just not getting it, and walk away. She's going to keep doing it until she wears you out. Not me, but whoever. <laughs> um, and she was determined to use a knife. She, it's, it's a dish she likes doing. Um, I guess uh, some of the pastas uh, I love cooking for her Um, you know any of them cooking pasta makes me happy in general Uh, it's not my area of expertise uh, but it's something that always really pleases me thinking about I mean just being a father now 
do you feel that that has changed your perspective of your work in any way? Yeah, I think I'm less likely to stick my head up out of a foxhole to get a shot. You know, uh, you know, I did. I've done some foolish things on the show, and you know, when I found myself saying, "Look, I've lived a good life. What the hell?" You know. Now I, I kind of I, I feel at least a responsibility to at least try to make sensible decisions to live long enough to reach the eye rolling phase of my daughter's life. You know. Um, so maybe, you know, my, I, I think more about the risks I take. Uh, I try to be sensible about, about things. I'm a little less reckless. Uh, I very much think about uh, how things might look, you know, to my daughter or her classmates. You know, I mean, I'm not, uh, I mean, not that I would anyway, to be honest, but, you know, I'm not a guy who goes to strip clubs. Um, you know, I'm not going to be you know, snorting rails, you know, off, uh, off, off a stripper's taint. Uh, you know, ever. Um, I wouldn't anyway, but I mean, it's the sort of perception that, um, you know, I'm careful to avoid. I think that particularly where it comes to, as far as women are concerned, I mean, you know, my daughter is a young woman. She will be a full-grown woman. I don't want her to look back at, at her father as somebody who was, who uh, people could reasonably call like a pig or a you know, a fucking bro or a, you know, a high-fiving, you know, lecherous asshole. I, I, you know, t- so I think about that. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to be a distinguished motherfucker. Right? <laughs> I'd love to say it's been a struggle, but honestly, it isn't. I mean, that was just never me to, to start with. You just came back from Oman. Yeah. And you've traveled everywhere in the universe is there anywhere that you haven't been yeah i mean chances are if i haven't been there it's because of security uh insurance reasons i mean the insurance company won't let us go um we've been hoping to get in afghanistan northern afghanistan for some time which i'm told is reasonably secure to do um yemen i would love to go to but obviously can't i mean uh, years ago, before the conflicts and all the terrible things started happening there, uh, we were very close to going and very motivated to go. It's this incredible culture, incredible country. It's, you know, almost everything came out of there. You know, all of the, the, the food. So many uh, Arab cultures uh, originated there. Um, you know, coffee. Uh, someplace I want to go. Kashmir. Venezuela. I've been there for speaking gigs, but getting to shoot there has become has been really problematic. The insurance companies are not not happy with the situation there, and, and not uh, so far have refused to allow us to go. And that's I mean we've been to Iraq, we've been to uh, to post Benghazi, Libya, uh, but Venezuela has been a real problem. What is a place that you've gone back to and said, holy shit, it's it's changed. It's just so different. Yeah. Well, well, China. I mean, the first time I went to China back in, just in like 2000, it was a two-wheel culture. You know, everybody was either on bicycles or motorbikes in Asia. Hello, Mr. Martini. Mumbai is a fire straight up with so extra olives. Uh, you know, with Shanghai, there seems to be a Lamborghini or a Maserati dealership on every corner. I mean, the money, it's, it's flowing in all directions. Um, the, the consumerism, the desire from this emerging middle class to, to have the things that the rest of the world 
had and they didn't years ago. Uh, so that's a place that's really, really, really changed drastically. Maybe that's been the, 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 the fastest and most drastic change. Well, cheers to that, I cheers. guess, huh? Ooh. Yeah, there's yeah. more waiting. We have a little backup here. Oh, thank God. Mm. Mm. Good. It's, it's like Valley of the Dolls in a good way. Yeah, really, we should be mixing these with, like, you know, second oils, I guess, if mm-hmm. we were going to go for the full uh, Jack yeah. and Suzanne experience. <laughs> when she's 18, no, wait, sorry, 21, mm. I went to school in New Orleans, so it's different, but where are you going to take her for her first legal drink? Oh, that's a really interesting question. I don't know. Um, look, my daughter's, you know, a tough kid. She grew up watching USC. You know, her mom's a mixed martial artist. Uh, you know, I might bring her to like an Irish, you know, an, an old man's bar. You know, four o'clock in the afternoon, day drinker bar, and say, "Look, this is what it is." You know, right here. <laughs> um, I don't think you know it should be a glamorous experience. I think uh, this is where people come to get, to, to, to get drunk. You know, maybe let's catch a little bit of a buzz together, but, but you know, don't end up a regular here, right? You can avoid it. You know, you'll notice Daddy isn't. So, it's the holidays. Do you have a favorite holiday song? or? No, yeah, I hate them all. Yeah. <laughs> I really hate them all. So, what are you listening to this time of year? I'm listening to um, Fugazi. Um, I'm listening to a lot of pre-disco funk, strangely enough, like uh, Curtis Mayfield, uh, Bill Withers, uh, Teddy Pendergrass. Um, I'm a little jangly. I'm a little emotionally sort of, uh, for a whole hell of a lot of reasons, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm careful about my music selections, you know, so that I want them to get me all messed up. trying to to stay cool here (laughs) are you a vinyl guy or no no I I mean in a perfect world I would be I mean you know if I was Neil Young if I had the room and the time but I don't have either of those things I don't have time to cultivate and curate lovingly a vinyl collection I need music now quickly and I'm willing (laughs) to make some sacrifices and sound quality I'm also um, as a guy who's you know been through a divorce uh I'm careful about acquiring beloved possessions, you know? You know, there's that line Robert De Niro talks about in Heat about, you know, being ready to walk away from anything at any time. Uh, when it comes to objects, which, especially ones which I naturally feel, you know, that I cherish, books, certain books, records would be a real... But, you know, I sold a lot of my... You know, I used to be on sample service for Columbia Records when my dad worked there, so I had a rather extraordinary vinyl collection. I was also a comics nerd. I had an amazing collection of Golden Age, EC, and early Marvels. But I sold all that shit for drugs. And uh, so I, I have an impulse to, to, to covet and to collect. Uh, and I fight that. I, I just don't go down, down that road. You know, can you own anything anyway? Really? You know? I also think about, you know, when I kick off, you know, is my daughter going to appreciate this? No. It's a four. You know what I do covet them? They gave me one of these here, with the older ones, one of the old brown lamps from here. Wow. Like, that's a treasured possession. How many martinis did that take? Uh, fair number. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you just ate noodles with President Obama recently. Yes. How are the noodles? When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Well, I knew they were going to be good. Uh, been there before. Uh, I thought he'd like them. I was at a, it was a family-run uh, buncha place in Hanoi. Buncha being these little pork patties and uh, uh, hunks of uh, basically marinated and grilled charcoal grilled pork served in a room temperature broth uh, with uh, sticky rice noodles and. Um, I thought he'd like it. Um, and I, I thought it was true to what we do. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not Dan Rather. And, and it was a Hanoi thing. I think that was important. I mean, if you're going to be in Hanoi, eat something that's specific to Hanoi. And I, I really didn't understand at the time how, how deeply that resonated with, with uh, Hanoians, who the next day were literally coming up to me in tears they recognized me from the tattoos, and they were in tears, and they couldn't believe that the President of the United States had chosen to eat bun chong, not pho, not spring roll. They went to this little family-run joint upstairs. Look, it was very great. It was, honestly, it was, it was fun. You know, I liked him. He's, he's, uh, smart as fuck. So smart and warm, engaged, uh, kind to the people around, other people in the restaurant, of course, all wanted a piece of my crew, uh, and cool. The man's cool. <laughs> you know, uh, I hope we did him justice because uh, it was very, he gave us a lot of his time. He gave us two days of his time. And uh, I'm, look, it's an experience I'm very grateful for. We'll have another one of these. Yeah, let's, let's do let, another. Let, yeah, let's do another. Yeah. And the, and the piano is yeah. turning out very well. Yeah. So <laughs> we go as long as you want, as long as these keep coming. If you could like get rid of anything in society, clowns, keep them or leave I them. I see no need for them. Yeah. Have they ever entertained anyone? Oh, Were children good. entertained by clowns? No. no children I know, they're frightened by them. Yeah. Also, last year there was a clown hysteria. Did you hear about this? Yeah, and, and I mean, there's a there's a way too much clown-related murder. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's almost a prerequisite. You know, it would apply for the job of serial killer. Clown seems to be, you know, a necessary... Uh, yeah. Necessary. Yeah, no, I just don't, don't, don't get it. Well, apparently, like, last this past year, I was following it. It was really, I'm from Texas, and it was, like, a huge problem across Texas. Yeah. And the normal clowns were actually, like, they wrote op-eds to the scary clowns. Yeah, the scary clowns. clowns. Look, yeah. if there's a scary clown standing in your yard and you shoot him in the brain, 
<laughs> I mean, you're on pretty solid legal ground. So, you know, I applaud you, Scary Clown. Yeah. I, I applaud you for your convictions because, particularly if you're in a stand-your-ground uh, state, because yeah. no 12-man jury is really going to feel too much sympathy for the scary clown who gets <laughs> shot in the middle of the night standing in some, you know, some family's backyard who has kids. I shoot the fucking principal. Yeah. Get your floppy clown cheese off my lawn, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> and I would feel, as I did it, I would, I'd be feeling pretty good about my legal prospects. Yeah. yeah. No, like clowns. Mimes, obviously, but no, who yeah. likes mimes? Um, Are they even around I think, anymore? I think they're, you pay them to go away. I mean, that's what you do. You, you know, <laughs> they, when they come up to you, it's like in the, in the mall, you know, it's like, hey, is that money? Just, you're the good couple. There's somebody else. No, they, they, and, and, and the Swiss, you know, the Switzerland. I, I mean, I, I'm not kidding. I've never been. I think we should put all the clowns and all of the mimes in Switzerland and just call it a day. I, at least we know where, where they are. Yeah. You know, it's, it's <laughs> our Guantanamo Bay for clowns and mimes. Oh. What do you hate the most in food? Like, if there's, like, one dish that you just... Hate? Could 86 forever... Mm. What would it be? Well, I mean, there are there are certain dishes that are signs that nothing from this point on is going to be good. That that you're in the wrong place, like a Kobe beef slider, <laughs> you know, or any place that has a Kobe meatball. You, you know that you're probably not going to want to hang out with the people at the next table. You know, it's you're in the wrong place. Um, complicating simple good things uh, I hate utter indifference to what you do I mean look I was a short order cook for a long time often at minimum wage or slightly above I hated what I was doing I hated who I was cooking for I hated who I was working for but if you ask me to make an omelet I did my best I, I, I tried to make the best omelet I could um, so people who just don't care at all. I mean, they, they already work for a, for, a, for maybe a franchise that, that doesn't care. None of us are where we want to be at this precise moment. But an indifferently prepared hamburger by somebody who doesn't give a fuck and doesn't care whether you give a fuck, doesn't give a fuck about anything and just slaps it on. I, I, look, I'm a guy who, who unfortunately... Uh, is always looking for the black crows, you know, the augurs, the, the signs of imminent doom or the collapse of civilization. Um, I'm insensitive to much, but hypersensitive to ridiculous things. And, and, and a meal by somebody who just doesn't give a fuck or doesn't care if you know it. It, it makes me sad in a way that really can depress me for, for a lot of time. So going back to the idea of like Switzerland and the clowns and the mimes, what is the thing that we can send over there from 2016 in food? Is there anything? To Switzerland? Yeah, just like any like trends, anything that you're just like. I don't know. Oh. I don't know the country, so I don't know what they need or want or expect. I mean, it's completely unfair of me. You know, maybe it's a food wonderland. <laughs> maybe they were all really nice. No, no, no. I mean, 2016 food trends. Right. That we can send. That to like for me. It would be like a rainbow bagel. Oh, you mean like sort of like a cargo cult sort of dumping or 
the things we don't want. Yeah, onto oh, the island of mines. Yeah, maybe let, let's not use Switzerland. Let's okay, use okay. Al Qaeda or something. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Well, certainly the Kobe burger, truffle oil, uh, macaroni and cheese with any adulterants other than maybe ham. Uh, third slice of bread for the club sandwich. Um, Wait, you don't like truffle oil at all? No. No, no okay. it's it's, okay. it's 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 evil and it has no relationship to truffles at all. Well, it's an industrial solvent, basically. Yes, this is and, true. And a truffle is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. But if you're, you know, if everything you eat that you think has truffles in it is jacked with truffle oil, it will, it's you wrong. will, when the, when the truffle comes along, you will be oblivious to it. I mean, it's. Uh, well, I, I mean, there there is a sexual metaphor here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But it's really like sort of the porn star <laughs> versus a real fucking human being. You know, if your if your 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 level of expectation is so blown out and distorted and twisted by the, the, what what the truffle oil is presenting, you're basically you're fucked forever, ever understanding the, the natural magnificence of this thing, the truffle. I what I really appreciate about your new book is that you don't have a dessert chapter; it's just cheese. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a reflection also of the fact that I don't know how to make dessert. So why should I pretend? I mean, there are a few, there are a few uh, desserts that I'm reasonably competent at. If you ask me to make a, a, an apple tart, uh, I could do that. Creme caramel, um, probably butter cookies, uh, stuff like that. A basic chocolate mousse, uh, fine. Um, I could probably work from a recipe for some basic but I'm not good at any of those things in fact I'm probably actively bad and and don't have the disposition the sensibility the natural born affection for or connection to sweet things I don't really my palate is not geared towards sweet um but you know I'm an enthusiastic advocate of a big block of like good rippled with blue cheese and a glass of port that I know is awesome and I know if I, it's what I'd want for dessert. Um, so I just figured, why lie? You know, it's such an obligatory afterthought. You know, the chef who doesn't make dessert, they hire somebody to come in and be like, I need five desserts for the fucking dessert chef. They're not going to do that. What do you think makes a good travel mate or a traveler? Uh, yeah. I mean, I travel with a team. You know, so we're more like a unit. You know, we all are united by a purpose. But wow, that's that's really fucking tough. Honestly, I think traveling alone is probably traveling alone. Going someplace with someone you really care about is, is of course, wonderful. Um, but traveling, uh, people handle those pressures uh, and uncertainties differently. Um, there are all hell of a lot of reasons to not go to Brazil you know, a long trip through Brazil with someone you love. I mean, you know, um, or India, uh, where things go wrong, you get stuck. Uh, you gotta be quick to, to, you're gonna be fast on your feet and ready to move to plan B. 
to be a good traveler, I think. Uh, an itinerary, a rigid, a rigid itinerary as a traveler is a lethal instinct. You know, it's a crippler. You know, today's the day we're going to go see the Louvre. Well, no. How about we just go to the corner and get drunk and eat, you know, like a mediocre, uh, you know, calves liver with frites. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> My God, I mean, you know, a guided tour would be, the, you know, the nightmare scenario uh, to be <laughs> shuttled from place to place with strangers or even family. Uh, I mean, it's tough. It, 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 when you're dealing with jet lag like you are today, mm-hmm. especially, like, how do you push through that? Are you just sort of well, deal with it? I don't get like... headaches or any of the symptoms. You know, I don't get the helmet anymore. You know, um, I try to just sleep it through. Until it comes around, uh, I sleep in the afternoon a lot. I mean, uh, you know, if I wake up three in the morning, as I probably will tonight, I will, I will, you know, I will be asleep at three o'clock in the afternoon, picking up a couple of hours. It's not an ideal situation, but you know, I sleep on planes from takeoff to landing. I don't care how long the flight is. I smell jet fuel. It's like Pavlov's dog, and I was like, the, 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 the Bing, I'm out. I'm asleep for takeoff. I'm asleep for landing. I'm so jealous. I have the opposite problem, but do you have any New Year's resolutions? No, no. I don't do that. Really? No. Why, why is that? I think I have a realistic uh, expectations of myself. When I'm, what, what have I got to give up? I'm trying to live a decent life lately in the sense that I try not to hurt people I try not to disappoint people if I say I'm going to do a thing, I do it if I say I'm going to show up at a certain time, I show up early Um, I try to fulfill my responsibilities as as I have expressed them or implied them Um, you know, I don't shoot dope or snort coke or do crack I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts for for the next four years? Look, as dim a view as I have of the future right now, and it's pretty goddamn grim. And this is not exclusively an American problem. I mean, we're seeing a rise of authoritarianism and uh, uh, strongman uh, leaders everywhere. Don't be a hashtag activist. You know, change is going to take some fucking time. Um, you know, dig in for the long haul, spend some time with the enemy, you know, walk around in some other people's shoes, you know, try to get your priorities reasonable, a little love, some good pasta, nice spicy noodles, survival. Thank you to Anthony Bourdain, the staff at the Carlisle and Bemelman's Bar, and especially Earl Rose, the Emmy Award-winning piano player, and composer. And to Ludwig Bemelmans, who's made a lot of kids' childhoods much brighter with Madeline. Anthony Bourdain has a new book called Appetites. So if you're the delinquent family member who still hasn't purchased a holiday gift, you know what to do. 2016's been a really weird year, but thank you so much for being faithful listeners because this podcast wouldn't be possible if you guys didn't tune in. We've traveled the world together, we've gotten some heartburn, We've had a couple cries, a lot of laughs, maybe a little bit of indigestion. But most of all, we've met a lot of amazing people and eaten a lot of delicious things. 
So thank you. And thank you so much to my awesome podcast producer, Phil Domahovsky, for making this podcast actually sound like a real podcast. Without you, I would just sound like another talking head, which I probably do anyway. We'll be back with a brand new season in 2017. Until then, this episode is dedicated to your health, to hope, and a stiff drink. Happy holidays, everybody. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.